Good morning, church family. <laughs> How are you today? Everybody good? It's so good to see you. Welcome to Westmead Baptist Church. I invite you if you're able. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to go so far to say if you'd like to, I invite you to stand. <laughs> We're going to sing to the Lord. If you're not able or uncomfortable standing, then you feel more than, than uh, it's okay for you to sit. And let's lift our voice and give praise to the Lord. One.
Bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Well, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Praise his holy name. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever.
faithfulness, Lord.
Good morning, church family. Welcome home. It is good to see you this morning. Uh, I know we have some people here who has, this is your first Sunday back, and we welcome you uh, as we worship the Lord together. Uh, I had a couple of people this morning ask me, oh, you're wearing a jacket. Not because it's cold outside, in case you were wondering. You know, when I was in student ministry, um, when I showed up to church wearing something like this, uh, a number of people would say, you must be preaching today. And they were uh, pretty accurate. Now that I'm pastor and I show up like this, it makes a lot of people really nervous. Uh, But it's okay. Uh, Church, we have a a unique opportunity at our 11 o'clock service today to recognize the faithfulness of God and the lives of our high school graduates. Uh, So 11 o'clock today, we're going to be celebrating what God has done through their accomplishments, as well as our college graduates. Uh, And it's going to be a wonderful time as as families will gather to recognize God uh, in celebrating who he is in the lives of our students. Terrence is going to be preaching uh, at 11 o'clock today. So it's like a holiday. I only got to preach twice this morning. So it's kind of cool. But be praying for him uh, and for our students and the families. We know there will be people here who are in need of the gospel. Uh, and I am thankful uh, for that privilege. Uh, this morning, while you're stuck with me uh, and not Terrence, uh, I think I think Terrence, somebody like, maybe if we leave now, we could be back at 11 to hear Terrence. Uh, it's okay if you need to slow it. That's what I understand. But we are going to be preaching out of the same text today, which is found in Mark chapter 2. So if you wanted to go ahead and turn there, uh, we'll be in Mark chapter 2 this morning. You know, I'm not one for conspiracy theories. I... I, I, I But I will be honest with you, church, they're kind of fascinating slash entertaining. Uh, I don't subscribe to really any conspiracy theories that are out there, but I do enjoy listening to them. This started when I was in college. Uh, When I was in college, there was going to be a seminar that was going to be offered on a Thursday. And the featured speaker of the seminar, I want to see how many historians are out there. The featured speaker was the lady in red. Is anybody familiar with the lady in red? It's okay. Okay. Her name is Jean Hill. And Jean Hill was wearing a red dress on that fateful date in November of 1963. She was standing about 15 feet away from the Lincoln Continental that JFK was riding in the moment he was assassinated. And her account of that day was after this assassination took place. Within an hour... She had been whisked away by federal agents and put in a room with no windows and questioned for eight hours straight. Um, It's it's quite a remarkable story. She was not able to actually attend that day. Uh, She fell ill. Uh, Her son instead came and spoke in her place, and he said, I've heard my, my mother make this presentation so many times. And he shared with us her account, her side of the story of what happened, on the day JFK was assassinated. And if you go back and watch those video clips, the moment it happens, you see a lady dressed in a red dress standing about 15 feet away. It was a fascinating story. And what's fascinating for me about conspiracy theories is the different perspectives you gain from listening to them. Again, I'm not, please don't think I'm sitting at home with a piece of tinfoil and a cone on my head or anything. It's just entertaining to me, it's fascinating. But for me, when the questions outnumber the answers, it's worth looking into. I enjoy researching and those things like that. But again, the most unique thing about these theories is the perspective they present. And when we talk about perspective, church, it always comes down to one thing. Who said what? 
that, that's where we get perspective, right? Who said what? Now, we're not going to be ignorant and turn a blind eye to what's happening in our nation right now. Because right now, we have a lot of who said what happening all around us, don't we? It's a, it's a unique time in, in American history, and it will be remembered in history for this time that we are enduring. Uh, but it's all about who said what. We've seen a lot of fallout. We've seen finger pointing. We've seen just about everybody and anything release some form of statement. We have seen all types of things and opinions being shared. Everybody is for some reason interested in who said what right now. But church, as we look at God's word, this morning perhaps we can all learn something. Perhaps we can all gain something from the perspective that we glean from when we study God's word together because the only solution for the current climate is Jesus Christ. It is not a color thing. It is not a bias thing. It is a sin thing. And every single human being other than Jesus that has ever existed has encountered a sin problem. Therefore, we are all guilty to contributing to a climate that reflects sin. So the only solution, church, is for the church, for those who are followers in Jesus Christ, not to stand, but to move forward with the gospel, claiming it to anybody and everybody, regardless of nationality, color, or creed. We are tasked with the beautiful privilege of communicating the gospel. It's about perspective. And like we said, perspective comes from hearing who said what. So this morning... I invite you to this passage in Mark chapter 2 because we're going to look at one instance. We're going to look at one occurrence in the life and, and ministry of Jesus. And we're going to look at who said what in response to this event. So in Mark chapter 2, hopefully you're there by now, let's look at what God's word says here. Beginning in verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up, took up his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. Many of us are familiar with this story. 
Uh, I remember as a, as a boy learning this story in Sunday school and even then was fascinated by it. And as a, just a larger sized boy, I'm still fascinated by this story. But, but this morning, I want us to look at that text, that, that one occurrence, and I want us to look at who said what. And what I mean by that is we're going to walk through who said what in each one of it throughout this story and how we gain perspective from what they said. So the first thing I want us to look at is, well, the first thing we should always look at, Jesus. Look at this in verse 2. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And what did Jesus, what did Jesus say? It says he preached the word to them. He preached the word. While there are no quotations used in that verse, we see Jesus speaking. We see Jesus talking here. Who said what? Well, we start with Jesus speaking the word. Now, it's amazing. It is Jesus. Uh, I would have loved to. This is, you remember what John said, the word became flesh. This is the word speaking the word. It's no wonder that throughout the New Testament, when you see Jesus proclaim that people said he speaks as one with such authority. He is the word proclaiming the word. It's a beautiful image, and I don't want us to lose track of this because I want us to back up to verse 1. Because in order to appreciate the perspective of Jesus preaching the word, what do we see in verse 1 as to who his audience is? Jesus had returned to Capernaum, and there is one word used in verse 1 that really brings, brings to light where Jesus is. Do you know what that word is? Do you see it? Home. Jesus had come home. Now, many of you throughout your number of years, maybe when you were in college or maybe when you were younger, maybe when you had a young family, maybe, maybe even now, there is times in our lives where we go back home. And when we go back home, we don't surround ourselves with strangers when we go back home. We surround ourselves with friends, with family members, with relatives. I want us to understand the fact that that Jesus went back to Capernaum. Jesus went back home. So his audience is his family, his relatives, his close friends, people that as Jesus was, was growing up and spent time in this region, he had relationships with because Jesus had come home. And by then, Jesus' ministry had already started. People started hearing about these things that Jesus had been doing. And probably many in this region said, hey, we know him. And he's, he's coming back home. He had been home. He, he's coming back home. Let's go see Jesus. So in order for us to appreciate the perspective here of Jesus preaching the word, we need to understand that Jesus was preaching the word to his family. Jesus was preaching the word to his close friends, to his relatives. Let me ask you a question. In your home, in your home, do you preach the word? Maybe preach is an intimidating word. It is to me. In your home, do you boldly communicate the word of God? And I'm not talking about uh, the piece of artwork that's on the, on the wall. I'm talking about in your home. I know in this room, we have a number of grandparents. In this room, we have a number of parents. We talk often about the, the privilege of communicating the gospel as we did just a minute ago. And a lot of times when we think about preaching the gospel or proclaiming the gospel, we think about different settings. We think about in our place of work. We think about uh, in our place where or the grocery store or on a mission type of 
environment. But my question to you this morning, if we can glean something from what Jesus is showing us here, is the greatest place we can communicate the word is in our homes. When your grandchildren come to you, are you sharing with them the word of God in the form of Jesus? When your children, and I've talked to so many people with adult children whose hearts are broken because their adult children have wandered from the way they were which they were raised. But parents, as long as we draw breath, because I'm a parent, not of an adult children, of two adult children, but I, they will one day be adults. And until the day that my father calls me home to be with him in glory, I have a responsibility to pour the word out over them. The perspective we gain here was the intentionality of Jesus. Jesus being intentional. He could have easily gone home and be like, man, I'm just really glad. I'm going to take my sandals off and just relax with my family for a little bit. I'm going to relax with my close friends. I know where this road has taken me, and this might be the last time I really just get to unpack and relax. And there was an intentional effort by Jesus to communicate the word to those closest to him. Church family, I've read the Bible and it clearly tells me that as a father and as a husband, that is my greatest mission field right there. That I must be diligent and intentional to pour the word out over my wife and children. And I fail every day. Who said what? Well, we start off by Jesus proclaiming the word. Who did he say it to? his family, his closest friends. Church, may we not grow weary, may we not grow faint in communicating, being intentional to communicate the word to those closest to us because that's where it makes the biggest impact considering they know you. Secondly, what do we see? Who said what? Well, the second thing we see is that the friends said, heal our friend. And no, this, this isn't in quotations as well. They didn't walk in and we have this grand quote for them. But you know, I, I learned something a long time ago. Actions speak louder than... Oh, so y'all heard it too. Glad to know it wasn't just a rumor. Actions speak louder than words. And for the fact that four men brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus, it was their action, it was their statement of saying, we need you to heal our friend. When they heard what Jesus had done in Mark chapter 1, when they had seen evidence that Jesus was healing people and he had a power like no other, and here's a friend who was paralyzed, they said, you know what, this might be our only shot. Let's take him to Jesus because we want Jesus to heal our friend. They recognized that they couldn't help their friend, but Jesus could. And there was nothing going to stop them from getting to Jesus. It was a whatever it takes mentality because their faith in what Jesus could do for their friend led them to action. Church, our faith should always lead us to action. And the climate in which we're in, where we're surrounded by people who are going literally crazy from the things and the the, the culture and the political environment taking place, everybody, like I said, is making statements and pointing fingers. It's time for action to be taken. And we take action based on the things we believe in. And when we believe in something and take action because of it, it's called faith. And what does the word tell us here in verse 5? When Jesus saw their action, no, 
when Jesus saw what they believed? No. It says when Jesus saw their faith. Mm. They were persistent. Because their action that was the product of their faith led them to be persistent in pursuing Jesus. But you know, this is what's so amazing about this story. Their action took them even one step further. They recognized that what they expected to happen wasn't going to happen. And at this point in time, Terrence and I were talking about it. I love Terrence and I had a great discussion all week about this text. It's a lot of fun. So I'm going to reference him a lot today. Terrence had a great point. He said, these guys, you got to give it to them for being outside the box thinkers. Because they're at a crossroads. We either go home disappointed. We, we stay outside where all these people are and just hope that whenever this breaks up that Jesus comes our way. But they said, no. Persistency matters. We're getting our friend to Jesus. I would love to know which one of them said, what about the root? You know what I mean? Y'all have, y'all have those times where you're gathering, you're spending time with people, and, and inevitably somebody throws out just some crazy idea, right? I'm just curious, if you don't mind raising your hand, is anybody in here willing to admit, yeah, I'm the crazy idea friend in my circle? Anybody? Okay, I love it, I love it, I love it. I see a couple of hands, and I'm thankful, because I'm thankful for people who have the crazy ideas, because this is what it took. It was, hey, what we plan to do in order to bring our friend to Jesus isn't working. Let's try the roof. Church, with the privilege we have of communicating the gospel, maybe we should think about trying the roof. All I've heard in the last 10 days is we need to listen. We need to have conversations, and we do. But at some point in time, we need to move past our conversations into action and actually living out the gospel of Jesus Christ and loving people with the love of Jesus. And sometimes the way we do that might just cause us to look at each other and say, hmm, this isn't working. Let's try the roof. And, and another thing Terrence and I were talking about, I mean, this is, a, this is a paralyzed man. A lot of times when we think about they put a hole in the roof. Guys, that, that hole wasn't this big. Y'all know that, right? When they actually broke through the roof, they still had to make that hole big enough to drop a grown man through it. This is amazing, but it was a reflection that they said, heal our friend, and their persistency is what they demonstrated in order to see Jesus do what they believed would happen. Let's see. Who said what? What's next? Where are we? We're verse 5? Oh, yeah. We're back to Jesus. That's kind of a good place to land. If you ever get confused when you're sharing the gospel with someone... It's never bad to just take it back to Jesus if you don't know what to do next. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, who said what? Son, your sins are forgiven. The third thing we see in this passage of who said what, we see Jesus once again speaking. And Jesus is speaking to the heart of the matter. What did Jesus say to him? He said, son, your sins are forgiven. The greatest need this man had was salvation, church. The greatest need in our community today is salvation. The greatest need in the world today is the salvation that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is the need. Yes, 
We want to see an end to police brutality. Yes, we want to see an end to racism. Yes, we want to see an end to all these double standards that our society is living by. But the way we deal with that isn't to deal with the action. It's to treat the heart of the problem. And the heart of the problem is a need for Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior. And this is the privilege of us, church. We've got to show what that looks like in in action and in word. Jesus recognized the need this man had. His friends said, man, we just, we, we want him to be healed and get up and walk. You know, Jesus knew good and well. I could heal this man physically. He could get up and walk. He could run the rest of his life and he would walk straight into the pit of hell. But the greater need that he has, Jesus recognized that, is the issue of sin. I love how Jesus, throughout his ministry, just identifies the problem right where it is. In a world where we like to tap dance around issues and we don't want to say what needs to be said, Jesus just goes to the heart of the matter. He just goes to the heart of the problem. He says, son, your your sins are forgiven. I see the faith of your friends. And I know what their faith is expecting me to do, but let me tell you what you really need. You said, what? What is perspective do we get by this? There's not a single human that has ever lived in this world that didn't face a problem, including every single person in this room and here today. We face problems. Some of these problems, kind of bigger than us. Some of these problems started because of how we contributed, or maybe we didn't contribute when we should have. Some of these problems are completely outside of our control, but we face problems. And a lot of times, and this is what's beautiful about the church, is that when we recognize a problem, we run to the Father and we recognize what we need Him to do. But church, to live obediently and in full submission to God, we've at some point in time got to switch over. We at some point in time have to recognize what these four friends have to recognize. Sometimes Jesus' solution to our problems is different than what we expect or desire. Can you imagine, in a minute we see what the the teachers of the law said, but can you imagine what his four friends were thinking? Again, Terrence and I were talking about, where were they during this time? Well, they were the four heads peeking through the hole above the ceiling. What What an amazing perspective to see Jesus from above and watch this whole scene play out. Can you imagine that? But what were they thinking? We just went all this way. And it's a grown man. It's not easy to carry him all this way. And we got him on the roof, and we just ripped somebody's roof off. And, and he, he heals sins? I want my friend, we, we want our friend to walk like we can walk. We want our friend to get up and walk out of here with us. We don't want to carry him back home. What's he? What? Church, I've been there too. God, I brought this to you. I brought this before you. God, I'm dealing with this, and, and this is what I wanted you to do. Why is it, why is it turning out like this? God, God I, wanted, I wanted you to do this. Why didn't you fix it? Why didn't, but, but this is what happened instead. It takes faith. It takes faith from us to say, God, you know the heart of the problem better than I do. So however, God, you choose to bring healing, however, God, you choose to bring resolution. I want to be in line with your desires. 
may they far outweigh my own. Church, we can't walk to God with our problems and tell him how we want him to fix them if we truly say we trust the Lord. Jesus spoke to the heart of the matter. Jesus recognized the word here. This is his perspective in this context. There was urgency. Let's get, let's identify the issue and let's deal with it. There's an urgency in how he responded to this need, to the real problem, the problem of sin. Church, in this climate, let's recognize the real problems that we're dealing with in our world. Let's don't sit back and point fingers. Let's don't choose sides. Let's don't paint the other side or our side. We shouldn't have sides. The problem is a need for Jesus Christ. And we need to be faithful to point others to Jesus. We also need to be faithful to recognize where we've been paralyzed and say, hey, maybe I've been a part of the problem too. And I'm ready to put my faith into action so others would see Jesus in me. There was an urgency in this. Well, who said what? Verse 6. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? Hold on a second. Let me run. What's that word? What were they doing to themselves? They were thinking to themselves. This is another layer of really cool part of this story. Nobody said anything here. And we're talking about who said what. They didn't even say this. It says they were thinking this. Who does this guy think he is? He's blaspheming. Only God has the power to forgive sins. <laughs> this is what they were thinking. They were thinking, who do you think you are, Jesus? You know why they were thinking that? Because they had an authority issue with Jesus. There was a question of Jesus' authority in their life. And they're sitting there thinking, hey, he can't do this. He's blaspheming. Who, does he th- who, do, who do you think you are, Jesus? I don't want us to just sit here and look at words on a paper. I want to ask you the question. You ever thought that before? Don't answer out loud. Just think about it. Did you ever think that before? When you're faced with a crossroads, when you come to a decision, when you come to an area in your life that you recognize that something might not be exactly on the same page as God's word, and we struggle, we fight against, we rebel against it, and we think to ourselves, well, who do you think you are, Jesus, telling me that I need to turn this down, I need to say this, I need to drop this from my life, I need to walk away from this. Who do you think you are, Jesus? Guys, at the heart of our sin problem, and, and, and for everyone in this room, we have a sin problem. Hopefully for a majority of the people in this room, we have had our sin problem dealt with with a Jesus solution. But when we recognized our need for a Savior, it was an open eyes awareness that we had rejected the authority of Christ and had been living by our own authority our entire life. And it was that moment where we recognized, I've been asking, who do you think you are, Jesus? And now I know who he is. It's an authority issue. Jesus looked at this man and said, son, your your sins are forgiven. And they didn't get on board with it. Why? Because they didn't see any instant results. Oh, this is just one of the first and phony shows. Yeah, now he can forgive sins and everything's better. Who is this man? He can't even forgive sins. What authority does he have? Only God can do that. He doesn't have authority. 
When you question someone's authority, you know what you're questioning? Their power. They were questioning Jesus' power. And this sounds exactly like today's world. This, maybe more than anything we've talked about, is a reflection of what this world looks like, is a question of the true power of Jesus. And here's the thing, church, please, I'm pointing fingers at myself here too. I'm not talking about the lost. I'm talking about the church. That we know because we hear it on a regular basis, we read God's word, that we are tasked with the privilege of sharing and communicating and loving others with the gospel. Not just holding a door for somebody and thinking, wow, look what I did for Jesus today. But actually following up with words that in word and in action, people see and hear Jesus out of us. The reason we don't share the gospel is because it's an authority issue. We think it's optional. We think it's based on our level of comfort. We think it's based on our knowledge. Church, the word I read commands us to go and tell. Go and proclaim the message of Jesus for all the world to see and hear until the day I return or until the day he calls me home. And for us to sit back and say, well, I I might. I'll wait until Father's Day when my children are home and I'll do exactly what you said, Justin. I'm gonna proclaim the word in my home. Well, what if God calls you home between now and then? Where will your faithfulness lie? We are tasked with a wonderful opportunity to proclaim and profess the gospel. And when we don't, don't, don't lie to yourself and be like, well, I'm just, I just don't know what to say. I just don't know how to share my faith. It's written right here in God's word. And if your life has been transformed by Jesus, then just tell him what happened to you. So let me ask you a question in submission to the authority of God, recognizing that his authority is all we need. His power is sustaining us to whatever we can do in obedience to him. Have we shared the gospel this past week? Have you shared the gospel this month during this pandemic? Have you shared the gospel in in the last calendar year? Have you verbally shared the gospel with someone? Have you shared the gospel ever? Because if we, the church, believe that the gospel, the love of Jesus, has the power to forgive sins and bring death to life and usher us into a kingdom that will never end, if we genuinely believe in the power of Jesus Christ, why would we be silent? Do we have an authority issue with Jesus like they do? Well, that person looks different than me. Well, that person, they're homeless. That person might harm me. Do we trust Jesus when he's prompting us to go and tell? Maybe it's us. Maybe that's the perspective we need to see this message. Let's keep going. Who said what? Fifth thing I want us to see is, once again, going back to Jesus in verses 8 through 11. Again, I insinuated they were thinking to themselves these things. And look what Jesus says in verse 8. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking. Now, if we were sitting here and I said, oh, Brad King, why did you just think that right now? Brad King would be like, what are you thinking right now? Well, just why did you mention my name in front of these people? (laughs) But if I said, Brad, 
If you'll save a slice of that chocolate cake that you're waiting to get home to eat and wishing I would hurry up and shut my mouth so you can come. If I started talking about what he was thinking, I got a feeling he might get a little sweaty. <laughs> we might see some type of reaction in there. If I went around the room and, and called you out and said, hey, hey, I, I know what you're thinking and here's what you're thinking. And, and it, you would probably think that's pretty remarkable. You might get a little nervous. Jesus literally did that. Jesus looked at this man and said, son, your sins are forgiven. What was that? Oh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that I don't have the authority. You're thinking, by what authority do I do this? And they were probably like, well, who's he talking to? I have no idea what he's talking about. I wasn't me thinking that. They were probably backpedaling quite a bit. Jesus knew what they were thinking because Jesus knew their heart. God knows what you're thinking because God knows your heart. God knows what you're thinking when you turn on the news and you hear and see what's going on this week because he knows your heart. God knows what you're thinking because he knows your heart. We already said that one of the perspectives we gain from Jesus is he gets to the heart of the matter. Jesus did the same thing because he knew their hearts. Let's don't sit here this morning in agreement or thinking, hey, that's good if our heart is far from the Lord. problem that Jesus was pointing out to them was that what they wanted had nothing to do with what Jesus wanted. What they wanted had nothing to do with what Jesus wanted. And I ask you the same thing. In our current climate, is what we want to see as an outcome to this situation we're in, whether it's pandemic or this issue with racism, is it what we want? Or is it, we want what Jesus wants? Because church, if we want what Jesus wants, we'll go out and do something about it. We'll speak up. We will love. And our life will reflect the heart of Jesus that he put in us when he saved us. Jesus confronts because he wanted them to know the truth. Who said what? Jesus confronts because he wanted them to know the truth of who he was. The reasons why he did what he did was to glorify the Father and so that they would understand the love of Christ in a way they had never seen before. Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. Which is easier for you to see I can imagine it was a lot harder for Jesus to look at that man being part of the triune God whose sin offends a holy God and say to him, your sins are forgiven. I'm sure it was a lot harder for him to do that than to say, rise and walk. And he said, but just so you'll know the authority, the power that you question, rise and walk. And church, this brings us down to the greatest, one of the greatest statements we see in this passage. We've heard from Jesus, we've heard from the friends, 
We've heard from the teachers of the law. We've heard from Jesus multiple times. But then there's an extra voice that gets brought up, and it's right there in verse 12. It's from the crowd. And it says, they said it in amazement. We have never seen anything like this before. We have never seen anything like this before. And church, I assure you, they're not talking about the hole in the roof. They're talking about Jesus. We've never seen anything like this before. This is where we are as a world. This is what we need right now, is a world stepping back and recognizing the authority of Jesus and saying, whoa, we've never seen anything like this before. But who's going to show them? If not us, who's going to show them? Terrence is going to take that passage in a little bit, and he's going to spotlight that thing. We have never seen anything like this before because our students who are graduating their entire senior year, that's, that's kind of their theme for their graduating year. We've never seen a pandemic. We've never lost ball games and proms, and we've never seen anything like this before. We've never had to finish a semester, homes, everybody homeschool. We've never seen anything like this before, but they're saying it in amazement. Why? Because they saw Jesus on display, the power of Jesus at work and right in front of them, and they said, whoa. And the perspective they gave was astonishment. Look at what Jesus pray for our city and our mayor and our police chief and the people that embody Decatur and Morgan County and my prayer and I invite you to join me because of our efforts our efforts the efforts of the body of Christ because of our efforts that our county stops shouting and pointing and we all praise and in unison say we've never seen anything like this Jesus before in our county but it's not going to happen because a kid in a blazer has a microphone. It's going to happen when the believers in Jesus Christ set us, our desires, our agendas, our politics, our whatever filters we use to view human beings, when we set it aside and say, I'm ready to show Jesus, I'm ready to see Jesus, and I'm ready for him to be seen in me. What perspective do we gain from this? Jesus was intentional. The friends were persistent. Jesus responds with urgency. The teachers of the law pursued power. Jesus confronts. And the people are astonished. Guys, who said what? What about you? What are you going to say? What perspective will they glean from the words that come out of your mouth that line up with the actions that you live? It's all about perspective. Who said what? Right now, perhaps more than ever, church, the world is listening. Please say something.
Heavenly Father, we need you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that even though we as humanity has messed up a lot of things and we're seeing the results of that right now, you and your righteousness are still somehow holding us all together. And the only reason, God, you're holding us together is for the opportunity of for us to bring glory to your name through obedience and submission. And Father, Father God, for the believers in this room, may we pursue and live obedience and submission because God, we believe in your power. We trust in your authority. We know what you can do when we just lay our lives down for you to use us to accomplish it. And Father, be glorified in your church today. Be glorified in your church tomorrow if there is a tomorrow. And every day between now and when we see you again, may we not just rise and leave a building, but may we leave this place armed with the truth and the urgency of the gospel like Jesus did to treat and show love. created in your image. It's not for us to judge or filter. It's for us to reflect. So God, may Morgan County, the residents of Morgan County see Jesus in your church today. Arm us with the gospel, Father. Stir within us a desire to say, we've never seen anything like this before because of the work of your hands. May it begin in us. May it begin in believers' lives that one day this world would look back to this moment in history and say, look what God can do. Be glorified, Father. And our response, not just in the next few moments, but for the rest of our lives. For your word is eternal. So may we live it eternal. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. I invite you to stand. And this morning, if you would like to respond in any way, our staff is down here on each side. I encourage you to just step out of your pew and go to one of them. They'll just take you around in the back hallway and just sit down and pray with you and listen to you and encourage you. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, please be obedient and respond. Maybe this morning the invitation for you is just maybe you need to sit down, maybe where you are, just to spend time with God and saying, God, I recognize where I have been pursuing things that you don't want. Whatever it is, now's the time, church. Let's respond.
morning. A couple of real quick announcements for you on your way out. Um, the doors will be propped open and you'll see a bucket and a chair. If you would like to place your tithes and offerings in there, you can. Uh, just letting you know that. Uh, tonight we continue our Ask the Staff uh, Bible study series, but we're going to start doing one question per day. We're going to put a, qu- a new question out Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Uh, and we'll send a push so you can kind of keep up. Instead of one long sit down, we're going to have a bunch of questions because people are like, I don't know when you ask my question. We'll be able to filter through that a little bit better. This Wednesday, we are going to attempt to have Bible study on campus. Church, hear me. Nobody's expected to be here, okay? So I encourage you, it will, it will be live online. So if you're in the room or at home, you're going to get the same thing. We don't take roll. So we know there are things happening in our world with this pandemic that cause uneasy feelings. And I do not, I'm, I'm begging you, please, do not put yourself in an uncomfortable situation when we can all experience the same thing from uh, wherever we want to be safest in doing so, okay? So we're going to try it this week, and we're going to maintain a high level of distancing. Uh, if, if it turns out that we can't do it in a healthy fashion, we're, we'll hit pause on it. Um, but please, practice wisdom this week. It'll be from 6.30 to 7.15 if you choose to be here. Uh, please expect it to be that just like this we'll space you out please if you want to wear your mask or glove we encourage you to do so but if you want to stay at home i am begging you to do that and follow your convictions i love you and thank you and one day church yes 
we're going to be out of this. But in the meantime, let's be patient and obedient and encouraging one another. Thank you for being here this morning.